is so good to be with you today, to be in-house here to worship and to serve the Lord together. And if you're joining us online today, it's wonderful that we have that technology today to allow that. Good to be able to worship together in that way as well. I'm Pastor Roger, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. And it is my privilege today to share some scripture with you. Uh, that God has laid on my heart. I'm going to be preaching here in just a few moments. We'll be getting into the book of Ephesians. We'll be looking at some of the early chapters, the first chapters of that book. So thankful for our staff pastors here. A couple of weeks ago, Grant was preaching, and he preached from the book of Ephesians as well. And when he began his sermon, I thought, oh no, here he goes. He's going to get my sermon. <laughs> he preached a wonderful sermon from the later chapters of the book of Ephesians about imitating Jesus, identifying and following him. And this morning, my subject material is going to tie in very well with that because what we're going to be looking at here in the book of Ephesians is the Apostle Paul's passion that he wanted the Ephesian believers to understand and to experience. When we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, many times one of our questions about Paul is, how could a guy be so abused and mistreated and struggle with such difficulty and opposition and yet be so absolutely thrilled about his life and his ministry and what he's a part of. And so when Paul writes to the Ephesians, and that's what we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at that passion of Paul as he tries to express to the Ephesians where that comes from for him and how his desire is that he wants the Ephesians to recognize and to share in that as well. Before we get into that this morning, uh, got a little something I want to share with you. This is kind of on a personal level, but at the same time, it illustrates, I think, very well what we're going to be looking at this morning in a way that I think that we can connect with. There's going to be some pictures coming on the screen, and I want you to uh, look and see here. I'm, I'm calling this, I Know a Guy. Now that would be Grandma and Grandpa Ramick, my grandpa, my mother's side of the family. And this guy is that special guy in my life. He's the one that would, when I was a kid, would pull up at our house in that old 49 beat up Ford truck and say, Roger, you want to go to the old place with me? The old place was the old home place at Grapevine, and the old house was there, and it was a rental property, and Grandpa maintained it. And so he was all the time going down there to do jobs, or he was going down there to clear out the landline, or to repair the fence to keep the cows out of the garden, or he was going down there to do something that Grandma didn't know exactly what it was, but it would wind up being either uh, a couple of hours following old bullet through the woods trying to tree a squirrel, or walking the creek. Uh, bank trying to catch a couple of those little old perch or brim that was down there in Hurricane. But Grandpa Ramick was that guy in my life that always had time for me and had a desire for me. 
and he, he was an example before me. And so uh, I spent so much time and had so many opportunities to be with him and to experience and to learn who he was. He was that guy that sat on the front row of Sardis Baptist Church as long as I can ever remember. Right over there where no one's sitting today, but that's where he was at. And the pastors of Sardis always knew that he was faithful and he was there and he was behind his pastor and he was there for his church. He had a servant's heart. He not only had a servant's heart in church, but he had a servant's heart for his family. He was one of those old guys that would work all day long. And by the way, back in his day, all day long, started at daylight and it ended at dark. It wasn't, it wasn't that eight hour all day long. And so the, the principles, the things that he believed and the things that he displayed in his life, who he was and what he did was an experience for me in life to know him and to experience him. And for me to be the beneficiary of who he was, of his character and his devotion and his work ethic. And that guy, that guy had a powerful impact in my life. And I know many of you this morning have someone in your life like that as well. And perhaps you may have not been blessed in that way or your family circumstances may have been such that you may not feel that you have had someone like that in your life. But what I want to share with you from God's word this morning is that Paul's expression and passion for the people at Ephesus is this, that we've all got that guy. And he is our Lord, he is our God, he is our creator. And his passion and his desire is to be that guy in our lives and in our eternal existence. As we was recently studying and we was preaching through as a staff through uh, the book of Numbers and those experiences that the children of Israel had in the wilderness... One of the things that I hope that you got from that is this continual and repeated attempt, the faithfulness, the patience and the love of God toward his people. That he wanted them to see and know him and who he was. That's a theme throughout the scriptures. We see from the very beginning of the scriptures in the Garden of Eden, God's desire to walk with the people of his creation, to know them in fellowship and in relationship. And so this morning, as we take note of the passage of scripture in the book of Ephesians, we're going to be reading from the first chapter. And I'm going to be dealing with a little bit here something that perhaps... We, we may feel challenged in, but I want us to understand what Paul says this morning about coming to know and to understand our God. 
who he is and the power that he has given us to understand how he can impact our lives and how we are the beneficiaries of God's desire to fellowship with us. In the book of Ephesians, we see Paul as he writes and he speaks to the Ephesians of the spiritual blessings that are ours because of the work of Jesus Christ and because of God's plan and God's purpose that he has put into place through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing thing, the, the awesome nature of who God is and what he has structured and what he has planned uh, for all eternity. And yet, uh, as amazing and yet confusing perhaps to us is, why would he include us sinners in that plan to make us a part of that? And so Paul begins to, to draw us into the picture. It's not just about the magnitude of God, but it's about how he loves us. And how he has included us in what he is going to do. And his invitation and his calling to bring us into oneness and peace and fellowship with God through his son Jesus Christ. And then as he develops that relationship here in the book of Ephesians, he takes you right into Grant's message, and I'll not preach that again, but I'll just remind you that he has put before us an example of Jesus Christ for us to see and to imitate and to walk in fellowship and relationship with God because Jesus has made that possible. And what Paul says here in these verses that we're going to look at this morning is something that we may not think is possible. For us to walk in fellowship and relationship with God and to be a part of the kingdom plan of God and we would think as a sinner, as a carnal creature, I cannot do that, I cannot be a part of that. But Paul says to the Ephesians, you can and you will by the power and the grace and the love of God be a part of the kingdom of God if you will receive and accept God's plan and God's provision for you in life. In the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, I want to read verses 15 through 19 and then we're going to draw some particular focus from verse 17 and 18 on some word emphasis in those two particular verses. Uh, verse 15, the scripture reads, Paul said, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. In this passage, 
we're going to notice a couple of things, but you see Paul's reference as he is prayerful concerning the Ephesians, expressing his desire for them and on their behalf, that they will understand, that they will receive the Lord's provision for them, that they will be able to experience a knowledge and an understanding of God that will be displayed in their life in wisdom, spiritual understanding, spiritual wisdom, and insight as to who God is and how He impacts our lives and what relationship we can have with Him. In this verse of Scripture, this passage of Scripture, in verse 17, and I'm going to make a couple of references to the original languages, but I'm going to try not to get tied up there. And if I don't pronounce things right, don't be surprised. I'm from Grant County. We don't pronounce a lot of stuff right. But if we get the meaning of it, if we get the thrust of it, and so many times, and let me encourage you to do that. Let me encourage you in your reading and your study to take the opportunity to, to gain the insight that commentary and that instruction from the original language can help in the depth and the richness of knowing and understanding God and His Word for us. In verse 17 of this passage of Scripture, where Paul is speaking here and he's making reference that he wants the people in Ephesus to have a knowledge of God. The word that is used there in that passage, in that place, for knowledge, is the word epnosis. And it is a word that we would design, uh, that we would define, and we would understand as being a word that's not just intellectual, but it is a word that implies that it is someone that we recognize. It is someone that we can acknowledge, that we have understanding about. It implies that there is a discernment, that there's a connection, that it's a personal connection, that it's more than just intellectualism, that we would come to know God in a way more so than just thinking of him as that powerful, heavenly force or personality. But that it would be in the sense of a relationship. And so when Paul talks about he wants the Ephesians, he wants believers to know and to understand and to have this kind of knowledge about God, He's talking about a knowledge about God that is an experience with God. The example that I used in the video this morning of my grandpa, in our family I had a lot of family members, a lot of cousins, brothers and sisters, many of which had the same opportunities to spend time with grandpa as I did, and they some did on some occasions, but others declined. And in our family, there were those people that they knew Grandpa as Grandpa. They knew Grandpa as, yeah, he's the old guy that lives in Sheridan. <laughs> he, uh, 
he, you know, he's this or he's that. They had a knowledge of Grandpa, but they didn't have that kind of fellowship and relationship that I was blessed to have with him. And in this word, that is the difference that Paul is talking about. He's saying, I want you, Ephesians, not just to know about God. I want you to know him. I want you to recognize, to acknowledge, to be able to discern him and to understand that he has a desire to walk in fellowship and relationship with you. In this text here as well, in verse 18, we see also an emphasis of another one of the words. Paul says he continually prayed that the people at Ephesus, that their, their hearts would be flooded. Take that in for just a minute. That's not an intellectual experience. That's way more than an intellectual comprehension or knowledge. That your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand. Understand the confident hope that he has given to those that he has called. That he has given to each one of us. Who he has called to himself. Those that have accepted that call and have put their faith and their trust in him as these Ephesians have. That word that is used there for understand, here again, this is a word that implies it's not just up here. If we're talking about the anatomy of the body, it's not a brain thing, it's a heart thing. And so the understanding, the cardia that he makes reference here to is an understanding of the heart. In verse 19, we see that same word used again. He said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. That in your heart, in your inner being, you will know and experience God. Much more than just the intellectual aspect of that. And that you will realize through this kind of heart understanding the incredible greatness of God's power. But listen, not just to know that He is and that He is powerful and that He has all of that power. But that God's power is for us who believe in Him. You see, God's purpose and design is for relationship with His people, His creation. Paul experiences this and knows this. And this is a passion that he's expressing to the Ephesians, to believers, that he wants them to know it. As well. Now, having said that, Paul speaks to them through the letter here uh, for several verses about our relationship to God through Jesus Christ and how we have been made alive, a spiritual birth, a spiritual life in a relationship with God because of the work of Jesus Christ. And how that we have been brought into a fellowship of oneness and peace and relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so we have become the temple of the Lord or the temple of the Spirit. And the Lord has come 
to indwell us and to be a part of us. To meet that great need that we have in our existence. In the third chapter, Paul picks up again. We're going to pick up again here at verse 14 in the third chapter. As Paul continues with this thought. Paul said, and when I think of all this, I think of all that God has purposed and planned. I think of what Christ has done. I think of this relationship that God has brought us into fellowship with Him through the forgiveness of our sins and our salvation of our souls in Jesus. When I think of all this, he said, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. I am just overwhelmed with what God has done on my behalf and on our behalf. God has made this great provision for us and it should just overwhelm us as well. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. He makes that reference to God. He's the one who has done these great things for us. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him. Glory to him in the church, in the fellowship of believers in Holland Chapel and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. By the way, all generations right there means the same thing that Paul's writing to the Ephesians is applicable to the people at HC today. And every generation, all believers, anyone that will put their faith in Jesus Christ, in God's provision and plan, this is for all of us to receive. So the message is just as applicable today. So I guess that means I am preaching a rerun. I, I, I'm, I'm just preaching Paul's message again. But it's just as applicable now. And let me tell you, the excitement today, I think, of the Apostle Paul, if he could speak to us today from God's presence, I think he would say exactly the same thing that he said when he wrote the Ephesians. I am so excited. I am so concerned for your understanding and for your benefiting and being blessed by who God is and what he wants to do in you. One of the sad things in this text, and I want to emphasize this this morning, is sometimes we sell ourselves so short 
in what God has done and what God wants to provide and do in His people. In this text, in this verse this morning, this statement is made. Paul said that he wanted us to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. Now, I'm not real sure about this. You can check me out. I believe that that dimension-wise just about covers it all. I'm trying to go back to high school and figure out some of my high school education and think how many different ways can you measure something to figure out what it consists of. And I come up with three ways and I'm thinking, well, what is this fourth dimension? And this fourth dimension is the inclusion of a measurement that will be able to determine the shape or the volume of something regardless of how it is formed or shaped. So we would think of a perfect square or a rectangle, but if that would be distorted or if that would be twisted or if it would be in some odd form to us, that fourth measurement is that measurement that will help us to define and determine the fullness of the content of that unit. So when we look at that and we think about that and we think about what Paul is saying here, Paul is saying, I want you to know and understand the fullness of the love of God. Not just to know and understand a little bit of the love of God. I want you to know the fullness of it. And then I think Paul, as he, he expresses this and as he teaches this to the people, the first thing he has to do is he has to get them past that thinking that, well, I can't really know God. You know, we can't know God. He's up there. We're down here. He's great big. We're little bitty. You know, it's a long way to heaven. We just view all of the obstacles and all of the reasons that we cannot know God in this intimate, powerful relationship. And Paul says you need to know and understand. And that's the emphasis in these words this morning. Because in this text, verse 18 of this passage of Scripture, the word that is in our uh, translation this morning, understand, is the word katlambano. It is a word that means to obtain. It means to possess. It means to apprehend. It means to be able to comprehend, as the King James translation says, that we can comprehend and we can know and understand the love of God in its depth. This is an expression of eagerness. It is an expression of excitement. It is an expression of energy. It is an expression that we possess, we claim, we hold to the love of God. And we have this sense of who God is and that we can know Him. Not just in some intellectual sense, but we know Him in the full dimension of His love and His relationship to us. That we know God. That we experience God. Verse 19, the word there for experience God is a word that would be defined 
as not an assumption, not a rumor, not second-hand information. Now I realized this morning as I put the pictures of my grandparents up and grandpa that as you had the opportunity to see that there may have been some of you here in the congregation that may have known my grandpa Raymond. There may have been some of you here that say, don't know that guy, ain't never seen him, but I've seen some folks like him. But the thing is, you did not know him as I knew him. And so when you got my testimony of who he was, that was kind of some secondhand information, all right? That was knowing him based on what I have said. Knowing him what I have, as I have experienced him. You see, that's what, as the children of God, we refer to as a testimony when it's applicable to Jesus Christ and to God. That we have a testimony. But you see, God does not want for each one of you to have a relationship that is just a testimonial relationship about, well, I know God because this is what Keaton said about him. Or, oh yeah, I know about God because this is what Todd said about him. God doesn't want that kind of relationship. He wants a relationship and he wants us to have an, ex an experience with him that is not based on what someone else says, but is based on what we have lived and felt and experienced in a walk with him. And so the love of God that is displayed in Jesus Christ and Jesus' work is for us to know and to experience. Barnes says in his commentary notes that this word and this experience is knowing in your mind, feeling in your heart, and living in your physical experience. The God of heaven, the creator of the universe. It's not about something that someone else said. It is having an intellectual understanding, having an inner presence and passion and knowing the daily effect of the presence of God in your life and in your being. You see, that's what God desires. And that's what Paul says he wants us to know and to experience and to understand and learn. You see, God, the triune God of the universe, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, so desires to be known and experienced by us that we will live and feel His presence with us. And this understanding of God, this relationship comes to us through the Word of God and hearing who God says He is and accepting Him into our life and living our life in fellowship with Him. I've got some scripture references here in the, in, the, in the way of the names and the descriptions of God that very quickly I'm going to go through several biblical references, titles, and names that are God so that we might grasp uh, a little bit of this picture of 
what the relationship and the fellowship and the walk that we are to have with him is all about. If we were reading from the original text and understanding the, the variety of names that the original language uses, uh, much more so than our English language does, we might know and understand, and I'm sure you'll recognize some of these names from some of our songs and some of our praise that we give up to the Lord, that He is Elohim, He is the Almighty, that He is Elyon, the strongest of the strong. That he is El Roy, the strong one who sees everything. That he is El Shaddai, the strong nourisher of people. He is the El Olam, the everlasting one. He is Adonai, the master and lord of creation. He is Jehovah, the God of covenant who keeps his word. He is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He is Jehovah Nissi, the, the banner of his love is over us. He is Jehovah Shalom, the lord of peace. He is Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. He is Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. He is Sidkenu, our Lord and righteousness. He is Makedeshim, the Lord, the sanctifier of men. He is Shammah, the ever-present one. He is Roth, the Lord, our healer. He is the great I am. He is the eternal one. He is the infinite one. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the all-present, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-wise. He is the epitome of truth and grace and mercy and love, faithfulness, righteousness, and justice. He is immutable, unchangeable. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is the God of creation. That's who He is. And this is only a little bit of what God's Word tells us about God. The Holy One and this God, this God loves you and me and wants to meet our every need and bless us in every way. And He has sought and so designed to have relationship with us through a means that we can relate to and that we can understand because He so designed that He would be known to us and He would reveal Himself to us as sinful carnal creatures, as a Father who is the provider, as the Son of God, Jesus, who is a Savior. And as the Holy Spirit, God, who is our comforter and our continual presence within. And so God, our Father, the Scriptures tell us in this relationship that we can come to know and understand Him and understand and know His love. We may have the experience in this walk of life as human beings, to have a, a father figure, a human father figure in our life that we can relate to. But if not, we need to know and understand that we have a father and he is in heaven. And he is the creator of the universe that has so chosen that he would be our father. And we would say, oh, but I'm a rebellious child. He didn't quit. He's still a father. The scripture says that he is the father of all life. 
In Romans, Paul said he is the Abba, Father. He is that Father that adopted us. Even though we were the children of sin, he adopted and received us. And has displayed his love to us. The scripture says he is the giver of all good gifts. The psalmist said he is a father to the fatherless. And the gospels tell us that he is the father to the prodigal. Who waits for our return. To come back. So that he can display and show his love to us in our return. Relational he displays himself and God shows himself to us as our savior God the Son, Jesus Christ. He is our water of life. He is our bread of life. He is the defender of the weak, which we are the weak, and He is the defender. He is the shepherd of our souls. He is our intercessor. He is our healer. He is a friend who is closer than a brother. And so God so displays Himself in Jesus for our benefits and God the Spirit which many times we dismiss thinking the Holy Spirit is being less but the Holy Spirit is the very real presence of God the creator of the universe and he is our comforter He is the one that meets, understand that that word comforter means that every need, every problem, every trouble, every issue is made okay because the comforter has met the need. And so the comforter, the Spirit of God, regenerates. He immerses us in the things of the Spirit. He fills us. He indwells us. He seals us. He empowers and strengthens us. He leads us and teaches us and guides us. He assures us. He confirms in us God's word and his presence. And he frees us from the curse of sin. He gives us voice to speak of him to others. James said this is the God who seeks fellowship with us. And if we will humble ourselves and draw near to God, if we will welcome and seek Him, He will draw near to us. This is the one that Jesus' expression of knock and I will open. This is the one who Jesus spoke of when he said, Come unto me and I will give you rest. This is the one who God in the Old Testament said, My people will find me when they search for me with all their hearts. When you open your heart to the Lord to know him, to know his love, to know his grace, to know his provision. This morning, this same God that I have been preaching about, that I've been sharing you, this God that Paul so wanted the Ephesians to know and to understand and have relationship with, is the same God today that he was then. And the message is the same for us today as it was for them then.
God has given you the power to walk in relationship and fellowship with Him if you will receive Him, if you will accept and acknowledge Him. As James said, if we will humble ourselves and come to Him, He will receive us and we will walk in this fellowship. As we close out the message this morning, I would have you to to take note that all of this has been about God's love and God's provision to meet your need. To save you and to deliver you from the curse of sin. To allow you to be a part of God's kingdom plan. And to have a place in this eternal plan of God to fellowship and to walk with Him. This morning, as God is speaking to you in your heart and your consciousness this morning about a decision or a choice that you need to make in regards to your relationship and fellowship with God. That perhaps you understand and know this morning that there's some things in your life as a child of God that are not right and you need to make changes. You need to, as the scripture says, you need to repent. You need to turn from those things. God's desire this morning, even the presence of His Spirit in your heart and in your consciousness this morning, God is calling you to walk in fellowship, to walk in relationship with the Creator of the universe and to know His love and to experience what He can and will do in your life. And this morning, if you're here and you do not know God in the relationship of forgiveness of sin. As the Lord touches your heart this morning and as you recognize and realize that you are a sinner and that you're not in fellowship with God because of that sin. Realize that that prodding in your heart this morning is God in His Spirit calling and bringing and inviting you to come to Him and to know His love and to experience His forgiveness and your salvation through a Son that He sent to die and to pay the price of sin so that you could be set free. And His name was Jesus. And it's your opportunity today to trust in Him and have your sins forgiven and have God become your Father, your Abba Father and to walk in relationship with Him. This morning we will have some folks that will be back in the Connect Corner and if you would like to speak with someone or pray with someone about these matters of the the spirit in your relationship, let me encourage you to do that or grab one of us pastors and we would be glad to pray with you and to, to share God's word with you. But let me encourage you this morning, this opportunity that you have that God is touching and calling, receive him and the great love that he wants to shed abroad and to pour out on you. Would you pray with me this morning? 
Father, we come before you this morning thanking you for all of your provision, for your love, everything that you have done. And Lord, as we consider these verses this morning, help us to grasp them. Help us to understand the magnitude of who you are and yet to know your love for us. But more so than anything else, Lord, help us to say yes to coming into an obedient relationship and fellowship with you so that we can be a part of and that we can help further your kingdom so that we can take our place in this walk of life imitating Jesus Christ so that others can see and experience and know what we have come to know. Bless this morning, Lord, to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.